from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Jay Wise and Nathan Drinkard. I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thank you for spending some of your time with us today. And as a reminder to all our listeners, besides being on all your favorite podcast platforms, A Drink of Wisdom is also on YouTube with each show segment available. Head on over and if you like what you hear, would appreciate your subscription. So, guys, a little belated happy Thanksgiving. Uh, football wasn't great, but, hey, at least we got to, uh, you know, spend some time with our families. How was it? It was, it was good. It was good. Um, a, lot of, a lot of exciting action to get into. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's talk some sports, baby. You know what it is. You know, uh, like you said, happy belated Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was good. I hope, you know, you had a good Thanksgiving. Jay had a good Thanksgiving. And everybody out there that's listening and watching, they had a Thanksgiving. But you know what time it is. It's time to take care of business, pull up a seat, because you know we got to speak what we're getting into today, baby. Let's get into it, man. Uh, in episode 18, Joe Burrow goes down. The college football playoff rankings are in. And we take a look at all the college football action of this weekend. Let's go ahead and start off this Saturday morning with a look back at the Thanksgiving NFL action. While the Steelers and Ravens were postponed, we did get in Texans-Lions and then Washington versus Dallas. Uh, the Texans took the first matchup 41-25 behind a superb performance from Deshaun Watson. Then a pivotal, pitiful NSC East matchup got underway with big playoff implications. <laughs> Uh, the football team was able to put away McCarthy's Cowboys 41-16. So, Jay, uh, two blowouts in Turkey Day, but one does technically matter. So, uh, what's your takeaway from the wins by the Texans and the Washington football team on Thursday? My bad. That, that pivotal word threw me for a loop. But, you, you listen, you're not, you're not wrong. <laughs> Washington moves in the uh, first place <laughs> temporarily, at least. Um, well, let, let's start from the top. Um, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, just an absolute tragedy that that, that that game was postponed. That was the, definitely the one game I was looking forward to. Uh, once that game got scrapped, um, I would say there wasn't a team that I was looking forward to seeing, but I think Deshaun Watson moved to the top of the list, um, and, he, and he definitely delivered um, a superb performance, as you say, um, threw for over 300 yards, four touchdowns, um, just an impeccable performance. Um, and, of course, on the flip side, you know, Detroit, I don't – I, so every now and then you get fooled by a team. You know, you look a couple of weeks ago, you know, Detroit was or hitting into, you know, Sunday's game. They were about, what, four and five when they were about to play the Panthers. Like, oh, maybe maybe they could be doing something. And then, no, you get shut out by the Carolina Panthers, who you know about the Panthers, right? They drafted a whole new defense, and they're already in shutout form, apparently. Good, good job, Matt Rule. Um, but then you hit into, you know, Thanksgiving. And Detroit, you know, they come out and they look okay. Uh, they go up seven nothing, and then uh, 
And then J.J. Watt does the interception. Next thing you know, uh, Houston's going on a 41-10 uh, scoring spree. And, yeah, 41-25. Yeah, Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia. I don't know. You know, it's got to be fired at some point. Um, but, but Deshaun Watson, you think about the Houston Texans, their, their offseason, they endured, you know, the, the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Um, you know, I, I, I got to admit, I, I feel somewhat sorry for Deshaun Watson and just the situation he's in. Um, but, he, but he's playing well. Um, 24 touchdowns, um, five interceptions. Um, he, he's having really a, a great season despite the, the win-loss record, not looking so hot. Even though I think Houston, um, it, it appears that with, Roman, with Romeo Cornell um, being an interim head coach, he's got him playing a little bit better. Um, the defense has shown, you know, shown a little bit more grit, it would seem. So they got that going for him. Um, but obviously, D D Detroit on the other side, they, they, they certainly made things easy on them. Uh, they, had, they had a stretch in the first half where they turned the ball over on three straight possessions. Um, so, so nothing impressive, um, you know, when you look at the Detroit Lions. And then, and then in the afternoon fest with Washington and Dallas, uh, obviously, we got to. I think we got to continue to, you know, pay some respect to Alex Smith and what he's overcome to get to this point. I don't think we can um, sell that short at all. Um, this kid, this young man, Antonio Gibson, from Memphis, I believe it is. He's having, um, he's having just a fantastic season. Could be in the Rookie of the Year running. Uh, 115 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. Uh, we know Terry McLaurin. You know, he's probably one of the more one of the more underrated number one number one wide receivers that you that you see in the league, and of course that um that defensive line that they have with just a a plethora of first round picks uh, Chase Young, uh, Montez Sweat, uh, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, you know the list goes on and on. Um, they certainly can make things difficult on you, but then on the other side, uh, Dallas just the um just the disappointment that they've become. Andy Dalton, I got I I would say I don't think he played particularly poorly. But he didn't get a lot of help. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott going to run the ball ten times for thirty-two yards. That just speaks to the you know the identity issue they've had for the about the past year and a half. They've just gotten away from running the football. But also, we can't we can't put all of that on Zeke most likely because that offensive line is just you know it's disintegrated before our very eyes. You know, Travis Frederick retired. You know, Tyron Smith's been out. Now you got a situation where we got oh, Lyle Collins. He's been out. Now you got a situation where Zach Martin. I didn't even know he was playing right tackle, but he's out there. And then he gets hurt. Your backup left tackle, Cam Irving, gets hurt. So it's just a perennial who's who of um, offensive linemen that they have out there. We know their defense hasn't been any good um, throughout this entire year. You got Mike McCarthy out there. They, they run in, you know, you remember that Indianapolis Colts fake punt from years ago that, you know, Chuck Pagano's, people still laughing at Chuck Pagano for that one. I think, the, I think Dallas might have took, they might have uh, one-upped him on that fourth and 10 double reverse thing that just was, was just terrible to watch. Um, <laughs> so they, they had that going on and all in all, this was a, this was a poor day of football by four pretty bad teams. You had one very good quarterback. You got some young talent you like on Washington, uh, but all in all, not a very impressive day, but that gets to my overall point on Thanksgiving. We got to take a look at, NFL should take a look at these, um, these Thanksgiving day games. It should be a real honor to play on Thanksgiving and you should, you should be required to represent um, the NFL with some degree of respect. That's not what the Detroit Lions and Dallas Cowboys do. And they've had the privilege of playing on Thanksgiving every season since 1978. The Detroit Lions, their history goes back to 1934. 
that's when this all started. And it was both of in both of these cases for these teams, it was a it was in some ways a marketing ploy. You know, the Detroit Lions say, oh, we're just trying to attract more fans. Let's play on Thanksgiving. And uh, kind of the same way in Dallas, I believe. They, I think their, their little tradition started in 1966. Uh, but, but all in all, as, as time has went along, you know, you know the Detroit Lions since 2001, they're about 4-16 and 16 on Thanksgiving. And um, Dallas since 2010, they're now 4-7. and seven. Um, And thank, thank the good Lord, whoever um, in the NFL front office said, you know what? It was, about, it was 2006. They said, you know what, let's add a third game. Let's add a primetime game. Um, and thank God they did. But, of course, this year, you know, even that one saving grace, Pittsburgh-Baltimore, got dashed. I think, we, I think the NFL should relook at these um, Thanksgiving Day games. I don't think we, – we should never see Detroit play another Thanksgiving Day game. I mean, the, think about this. What's the most notable thing about the Detroit Lions it, just for their team? Oh, they play on Thanksgiving. That's about all you can say. There's nothing else notable about them except the fact that they're bad. bad uh, th- Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a good one. It probably wasn't because of the great football you had to watch. Um, how do I come back after that? Listen, you told no lies um, with that description. Um, listen, this, this slate was pretty um, lackluster at best. Um, but but here's the deal. I, I would disagree with you um, as far as it, it is what it is. Um, it's a tradition. Not all traditions go good every year. Um, and this was one of them. The bottom fell out. The foundation of Thanksgiving Day, um, which was going to be the Baltimore Ravens and against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, that fell out. So you already knew the slate was going to be something um, that – that wasn't going to live up to the Thanksgiving. Let's sit down and eat a meal and watch some good football. Um, you know, that, that level of attentive. Um, but listen, Deshaun Watson is, is where I want to go with this. Deshaun Watson, he's probably the best losing quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, we, we've seen it. He, he lit these boys up and he and I would say this, Deshaun Watson, on to the point you was making about Brandon, like, okay, you know, Detroit want to play on Thanksgiving because it's a good look to play when nobody else is playing, Dallas, whatever. I think Deshaun Watson picked a good time to make sure his branding is still, like, looking upward. Hopefully, and hopefully they, they get this guy some help there. But listen, you can't ask for no more than what he did. Now, the defense showed up. This is what Deshaun Watson showed. You give me a little defense. Give me something to work with. Let's do something. Like, I'm not crying. I'm not throwing a fit. Just give me some help. That's what he got on Thanksgiving. Defense showed up. Like you said, uh, I think they forced three turnovers, three three straight turnovers. Um, and that's what Deshaun Watson needed. All right, now I get the ball in my hand more. Now I can do a little more. Now I can scramble. I can show what I have here. Um, and, and listen, for what it's worth, Will Fuller showed up for him, six catches for 171 yards and two touchdowns. So you finally got some help. Brandon Cooks five receptions for 85 yards. So I wasn't overly impressed with the run game, but at least Duke Johnson came out of the backfield and caught a few balls and caught a touchdown, you know. So they was trying to do something. And, and listen, it is what it is. That offensive line ain't up to par. It's just not up to par. Um, as, as much as we, we, we rag on the lines, the lines did make, you know, that offensive line work. And it's not up to par. It's, it is what it is. Um, but I, 
I want to, you know, big shout out to Deshaun Watson. Kudos to you playing on Thanksgiving. You did your thing. And hopefully, you know, from the drink of wisdom, your team decides to help you and you don't have to pull uh, Andrew Luck and hang it up early because you just know you're going to die on the field. Um, and as far as the lines, you know what it is. We've been talking about Bob the Builder, um, you know, all year. Lame duck coach. Your boy already got the, the, the young Buddha Ruski in Atlanta. And the only reason you didn't get the Buddha Ruski because y'all won a few games. So, you know, the Ford Foundation now was like, hey, listen, it's Christmas time. They just go ahead and keep them. You know what I'm saying? You got to get these toys. You got to, you know, just, they just keep them on the roster. All right. Like, it is what it is. We just fire them. We'll we, we fire them at the end of the season. Um, we got those new pencils. Yeah, yeah, mechanical. All right, cool. And, you number know, they, that's what they did. <laughs> number two, lad. Uh, so, you know, but we, we know what's going to happen to Patricia. He, he's out of here. I don't, I don't even care if they go undefeated for the rest of the season. He's out of here. You can go ahead and bet your bottom dollar on that. Um, so that was the first game. Um, moving on to the second game, the football team. And um, uh, so, listen, we had America's team versus the football team. Now wrap your hand around that, that slogan <laughs> as they roll it in. Cue the music. Boom. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, what a slobber knocker. Uh, we, we, this game was for all the Marvels, number one. <laughs> Number one in the division, the division leader. They're fighting for a home playoff game in that slobber knocker of a division, the AFC East. But if, if I was Skip Bayless, that'd be the um the NFC East, uh, NFC, NFC least, I should say. Um, but li listen, here's the deal. I, I picked the Cowboys knowing doggone well. Oh, by the way, I went 0 for 2 for Thanksgiving. Hey, thanks a lot, Cowboys. Thanks a lot, um yep. Lions. But I thought, I thought to myself, okay, I know the football team got a great defense, but that offense is just not going to have enough. And I thought Dallas was improving on the defensive side of the ball, give, giving the offense a, enough to where Andy Dalton can push the ball down the field and Zeke can run. Boy, was I wrong. Let's just go ahead and cut to the chase. I was absolutely wrong. Um, that defense came to play. I was, I was solely impressing. Um, Chase Young. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Chase Young this year. I finally got to sit down and see him. And um, I was impressed. I thought Chase Young, that, that front seven, that, that, that's, front seven is good. Let's just wait. If Ron Rivera get the packet in and fix that secondary, that defense is really, really good. Um, and then Dallas. Jared Jones, what you paying for? What what are you paying for? I, I got to know what you're paying for. Cause you ain't paying Andy Dawn that much, so I don't I don't want to hear you paying him. Oh, Zeke? You paying for Zeke? That 10 carries for 32 yards? Oh yeah, Zeke. What? One catch for seven? One fumble lost. One? I mean, <laughs> I I guess as a businessman, I, I've been known to I've been told that you do your thing in the business world. I don't know how much of a return you're getting on Zeke, but that's, you know, there's need to hear no there. Um, Amari Cooper did show up, though, you know, six catches for, you know, 112 and a touchdown. So he showed up. Um, I felt, I didn't feel like the offense used all their weapons to the best of their ability. Um, I don't know if there's a Mike Nolan thing. I don't know if there's just a Dallas Cowboy thing. I don't know what it is. I, and the dog, listen, 
I was a big component. I said it wasn't that much of a gap between that first guy and the daughter. And I think if you're talking talent-wise, I, I still don't think it's that big of a gap. But when you're talking about the attitude of the team around that quarterback, oh, yeah, it's a big gap. Oh, yeah, we dropped the 18-wheeler through this. This team seemed like they don't give a rat's ass about Andy Dalton whatsoever. I don't see the energy down there. I don't see the want to. I don't see the give up that you usually see. I don't see – I don't know. I don't know. I would be very surprised to see Andy Dalton wearing a Cowboys uniform next year. Um, but, you know, shouts out to Randy Gregory. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know marijuana, as they call him on the streets. Two sacks. Um, Demarcus Lawrence actually showed up. He did a cameo in the game. Um, and then, you know, on and on, I, I just want to – look, the defense seemed like they they starting to grasp the concept of NFL-level football. So, they, I mean, they, they're still kind of awful, but they seem like they're they progressing. They're watching tape. They're doing something on their off time instead of just catching COVID. So I, it's, the defense seems like they're doing something. So I, I just – I would definitely want to give them a shout-out on that. But America's team – listen, I ain't going to crush you as much as Jay did when he said y'all don't even deserve the, the Thanksgiving slate no more. But come on. Y'all do got to give us something better. You got to give us a little more. Um, I can't get excited. There's too much going on in the world. And then when I think I'm going to get – at least get to sit down with my meal and watch me some pig skin and some, you know, helmets cracking. And then I'm over here looking at cornhole instead of football. This ain't it. It ain't it. So for everybody else, you know, I, I know what your, your viewing experience was, but that was, those was my takeaways from these lackluster Thanksgiving games. I think you're muted, fam. Still can't, still can't hear you. What? Oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, audio technical difficulties, much like um, the technical Much like the two games. games. <laughs> I couldn't do it, man. Couldn't do it. No, I was saying the, the, uh, my, my training as a fan of the teams I follow allows me to watch games like this and just be happy. You know, I can just be Very nice. entertained to death. But no, this was, uh, this was a lackluster slate, to say the least. You guys pretty much nailed it. Um, you know, for the Texans, I think this is what we expected them to look like. You know, we, I don't think that we thought the Texans would be good as a team, but we kind of thought, you know, it would basically be the Deshaun Watts show and then he would just kind of carry him to some more wins than they probably have you know four and seven you know you got the Colts twice you got the Bears Bengals Titans I mean you just, you're probably not winning all those <laughs> and uh it doesn't look like they're going to get to the playoffs still but they might they might want to finishing around 500 which if you if you figure how stacked the deck got against them at the start of the season and kind of all the layers of crap we pulled off after the Bill O'Brien firing you know that's probably pretty commendable for Deshaun Watson and in in this team so Good on them, I guess. Find nice team beats some on the Jaguars. Uh, Matt, Patricia, man, y'all are absolutely right. It is so time for pencil year to go. You know, let me, let me throw this at you. Uh, uh, Jim Caldwell was 36 and 28 in his tenure with the Lions and had two playoff appearances. Uh, Patricia has now lost more games. He's 13 and 29 with a tie uh, in like 20 less games. It took him to lose more games than Jim Caldwell, who got fired uh, as a lion. They should have given them in a lifetime contract and a statue outside the freaking building. Um, and, you know, this is one of these teams where we're going to see if the accountability matters because ownership in June, they said, hey, you know, this guy, we expect big improvements and we're expecting big things to the Lions this season. And they're, they're doing the same shit they always do. So, excuse my language. But, um, you know, they, they've been blown out in four straight. You know, it, it's, it's just 
How you really feel? I, I feel because I watch this kind of crap all the time. You know, it, it, let's just let's. You know, they're, they're, that, the whole team's heading for a rebuild, if we're being honest. You know, Matt Stafford's going to get out of here. They're going to get all these other old guys out of here. They're going to have to clean it out and restart. So might be a little bit of a rough sled to come in um, Detroit. Also, uh, Dallas, Washington, real quick. You know, I think with Dallas, when the, you just – like you guys kind of mentioned it both, but you're seeing a huge disconnect with that team in the locker room and the coaches. And, and I think that a lot of this has to do with Jerry Jones. I think that these players have realized Jerry Jones is the one pulling all the strings, and he's the one that really runs the show. And I, I just I feel bad for Mike McCarthy in some way. I mean, I, I get that he's not doing a great job, but I think these players have realized like you're just a puppet, man. Like you're not actually running, you're not calling shots around here. I think you're like you, you know, you had the stink with him like blowing up at a, a watermelon or something in the locker room, and everyone was all like, "What is going on with this?" I think he's just trying to get these guys motivated in some way because it, he just doesn't have that team. He doesn't have that locker room. They don't have their quarterback and boy, th- those narratives from, like, how with the Dak Prescott injury and, the, oh, well, maybe Andy Dalton can take him to the playoffs, da, 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 and that, that just, like, just crashed, blew up, train came off the tracks, and it's gone for now. Um, let me just at you, too. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, that was his fifth fumble lost uh, this season. Uh, he has two touchdowns on the season and five fumbles lost. Um, if you consider that the team would just kick a field goal and every one of his fumbles lost, he's actually less points value than he is, you know, not being on the field at all. So, uh, boy, that contract looks bad. <laughs> Another one of these uh, chalk it up, done with these running backs. Like you sign them these big contracts and you cross your fingers because even that one, like a surefire hit, that's already looking pretty rough and just how fast things can change. And you know, on the other side of the, the spectrum, running backs that are good, Antonio Gibson, you know, third round picks, man is eighth in the art league in rushing at 645 yards. He has 11 touchdowns tied for second. So, you know, Washington early on, we, we praised their draft and a lot of it was because of Chase Young, but you know, they had some other good players they had picked out. Antonio Gibson looks like they may have found quite the player in the third round. And, um, you know, I guess with the, the, the football team, you know, how far can they really go with Alex Smith? You know, they're three and two in their last five, but they do have a bit of a rough schedule ahead. Uh, they have Pittsburgh, 49ers, Seattle, Carolina, and the Eagles. But, I mean, it looks like six or seven wins are going to win that division. So, I guess they're in the driver's seat, you know. Good, good, good for them. Um, can I just – yeah, can I just say, I know we – you know, you want to rag on Zeke, and that's fine. And the same thing about the quarterback situation. Just – I just don't want to – undersell this point they fin the cow the cowboys finished that game on thanksgiving out tyron smith lyle collins zach martin and travis frederick everything they do and have done for the past several years since they've had dak and zeke has all started with that offensive line that offensive line is in shreds and everything else has crumbled because of it that's fair uh, the only thing i would say is that the, the fumbles aren't the offensive line's fault you know no, but, but yeah no, but the production you're absolutely right that, that is a fair point but um don't look good in uh don't look good in Big D right now, that's for sure. All right, guys, we'll go ahead and stay in the NFL with some unfortunate news out of Cincinnati. As many of you have heard by now, first overall pick Joe Burrow suffered a season-ending knee injury during last week's home game against Washington. The star rookie quarterback was sandwiched by Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen on a third and two in the third quarter of the game. Uh, Burrow was carted off the field, and tests later revealed that he had a torn ACL, MCL, and other damage in his knee. Burrow had thrown for the fourth most yards by a rookie through 10 games in NFL history and was on pace to break Andrew Luck's rookie passing yards record. So, Drink, uh, where do the Bengals go from here? And do you believe that this is the Bengals' fault for putting him in with some of a subpar team around him? Um, listen. Yes, yes, yes. The, Beng- the Bengals got fault. But then I guess you say Joe Burrow got fault, too. Here's the deal. If – 
if I if I got drafted number one overall, and the team told me, in order for us to draft you number one, we need to tell you something. Here's the disclaimer: our offensive line is not good. And let me backtrack. If Joe Burrow is this genius and this guy that I've been hearing all these good things about, that means he already did his research about the Cincinnati Bengals. So he knows what he's getting into. So me as an organization, when I come to you and I say, hey, man, we want to take you number one, which means you're most likely going to play in year one because we don't have anyone behind you. We don't have the best assets around you as of right now, but we're working on it. Nine times out of 10, that player is going to say, I want to play. Like, we'll figure out the rest of it later. And here's the deal. When you when you have a chance to get a, a guy that you think can take your program to the next level, whether you got an offensive line or not, it's not your concern at that time. You're going to take that generational talent, and you're going to draft him. Now the question is, once you draft this kid, what do you do? Do you sit him? And let and let um you know Johnny Bomb Bomb crap throw the ball around until you get that offensive line to where you want it, or do you play him? Well, you gotta play him because why? Because now you're gonna have all the big money people behind you saying and the fans saying, hey, why haven't we seen Joe Burrow yet? Why haven't we seen Joe Burrow yet? It's football. People are gonna get hurt regardless. You can have the best offensive line in the world. Your quarterback still can get you know snapped and dragged down the field. I'm a big component in this. You always take the, the the if you need a quarterback, you take the quarterback. You worry about the offensive line later. Why? You can get more offensive linemen. You think about it this year. Cincinnati is gonna have a high pick. This is what it is. Two years ago, they just took a left tackle. Is is I'm guessing the left tackle ain't working out quite the way they need them to work out. And, um, and if I'm not mistaken, that best offensive lineman just got hurt in this game as well as Joe Burrow did, or he didn't play one of the two. So you, you, you're going to have the means to get a better offensive line. So as far as the fault go or the blame go, you know, it, it can go either way. It is what it is. This is a dangerous sport, and, and, you know, people get hurt. I'm not mad at the Bengals. I'm not mad at Burrow per se. Um, it is what it is. I would say now that this didn't happen, now I start paying attention to the Cincinnati Bengals organization and say, what do you do from here, all right? Your, your future just got sandwiched and got hurt. How do you improve this offensive line? And it, co it, it comes to a point to where if they don't improve this offensive line through creation, through the draft this upcoming year, then Joe Burrow – and his long road to recovery, because like we were talking about earlier, he got one of those injuries. It's going to take a while to come back. It is. Throughout that time of him knowing his recovery, you as an organization got to be out there making him feel comfortable that he's coming back to a situation where he can be safe, be protected, and be able to quarterback you in the future. But the one thing I, I would not do is go out and draft another quarterback. We ain't doing that. We, we ain't going to draft another quarterback. If we need another quarterback, that's what free agency for. Because the minute you draft another quarterback, you start turmoil within that locker room, within that team, and then this is how you go from being an okay team to being a floor mat to your coach getting fired, gym, and on, on, et cetera, et cetera. You know? So to, to, to put a bow on it, man, listen, 
Should the Bengals have a better offensive line? Yes. It's not like they didn't try. I, I've seen them draft offensive linemen. Some pan out. Some, you know, some do, some don't. It is what it is. It's the name of the game. You know what I'm saying? Any, when you draft any players, a gamble, um, and they seen that. But for what it's worth, listen, Joe Burrow been playing uh, uh, behind that offensive line all year. He's seen he was making it work, just like most quarterbacks do in the NFL. Offensive line play is so porous in the NFL right now, you very rarely find, you could probably count on one hand how many teams got a really good offensive line because of um, all the CBA rules and now COVID. And just, you just don't get the chance to do what you need to do as an offensive line. You don't get the reps. You don't get the, the, the um, nah, I forgot the word, but you don't get the chance to gel as an offensive line. The offensive line is one of those, those units where you need to gel. It's a five-man movement to the left, five-man movement to the right, five-man movement to the front. You need to be able to gel. And because of the lack of practice time and because of the lack of getting ready, you just – offensive line players down across the NFL. So this is not uncommon, but at the end of the day, this is what you signed up for. Joe Burrow signed up for this, knowing he could get hurt. And it is what it is. So, like I say – my thing is, what do Cincinnati do from now? Like, how do you fix this now? Okay, you got got hurt. You could have gave him better protection. How do you fix it now? That is what I'm looking for. That and this is what will help um, Cincinnati's perspective of being a poorly ran franchise if they can, you know, somewhat find some results to change our mind and say, hey, maybe Cincinnati. You know, maybe they're not as bad as we think. But as of right now, our opinion, you know, Joe Burrow, take your time, heal, see what the franchise is doing for you, and then we'll see in a year or two. Uh, yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll start where drink ends. Uh, this is this is kind of oftentimes where you end up when you're a bad organization, you know, from top to bottom. That's That's been the Bengals for, you know, a, a long, long time, way before Joe Burrow um, – arrived on the scene and to just to just to get one like kind of I think ridiculous point out the way I think I think you brought this earlier and I'm not knocking you you know per se Cody but the, the idea that if you have the top pick you know do you have to have the requisite pieces in place for you to draft that guy I just think I just think that's a little ridiculous because if you did have those pieces in place you wouldn't have the number one overall pick the Bengals got the number one overall right. pick because they stink, you know, and they just, ha they happen to be the worst team in football. And then you have this guy down at LSU, you know, calm, cool, and collected off the 66 season or whatever with the national title and all the records and the coach that, you know, eats uh, gravel for breakfast. You have that all going for you. And this is what happens. You got it. Look, you get Joe Burrow now, you know, and we, we understand coming in though, that the Bengals still weren't a very good team. They just, maybe oh maybe just maybe have the most important position covered and you know looking at what he's done so far joe burrow's been highly impressive um he's been he's been to, to my mind he's been carrying that team and um and right i think drinks right he's been, he's been playing behind that offensive line all season he's been escaping he's been escaping a lot of pressure he's been making plays outside the pocket been moving around uh, he's been sacked the third most time, uh, 32 times he's been sacked so far this year. The only quarterbacks who have been sacked more are Carson Wentz and, uh, and Russell Wilson. 
And, you know, there goes a perfect example for you right there. I mean, Russell Wilson, when are the Seattle Seahawks prioritize an offensive line? Probably, probably right. never. Um, so I think, I think in some respects, you can look across the league in this, um, in this regard. There, there, it seems that a lot of coaches in front offices, you know, they're just um, looking at their quarterbacks and saying, well, you know what? I, I guess since we're paying you all this money, I guess on one hand you can say, well, maybe you'd invest in protecting him. But then on the other hand, maybe you can say, well, we're paying you all this money. Why don't you just run away from everybody and just make it happen? I don't know if that's what Cincinnati um, told Joe Burrow, but you think about could Cincinnati have maybe done a little better um, picking Joe Burrow up in this draft? I mean, I guess you can make that argument. Maybe, maybe instead of drafting a T. Higgins, you um, try to you know build, build up that offensive line a little bit better. I think you, you drafted Jonah Williams with maybe the number two overall pick last season. I, I'm, I'm not particularly sure how that's going. Uh, but but other than that, it doesn't seem to be like there's a whole lot of talent on that offensive line. So that's definitely something that they got to um, continue to build up um, down the line. But then you can also say, well, let's just say they did draft an offensive line with their second round pick and they didn't draft T. Higgins. Well, Joe Burrow, he's probably going to get sacked either way because then he's going to have uh, less receivers to get the ball to. So, right. I mean, I, I, I would be more than happy to come in here and just lay, you know, lay it absolutely down on the Cincinnati Bengals because of how just, oh, just in general, how bad they are. Uh, I'm not, I, I'm still not, I'm not sold on Zach Taylor as a head coach. I, and I think just as a franchise, you know, they're, they've been a laughing stock for so long. Uh, but this is just one of those cases where I think uh, in retrospect, I think they made the right pick. They made the safe pick. I'm still a Tua guy. I think Tua will still wind up being the best quarterback in this draft class. Um, but Joe Burrow was playing, he was playing fine. Um, he was, you know, he, they had that surprise win against the, um, the Tennessee Titans a few weeks ago. We didn't see that coming. Um, I've always, you know, ever since watching him play at LSU, I always thought his athleticism is quite underrated. Um, that ability to run the ball um, is something that we can't ignore. Uh, but I, I do think Drink is absolutely right. Um, the last thing you do right here is draft another quarterback unless it's a, you know, a depth guy um, that you're just a project type quarterback that you're looking for. Um, you, you certainly don't, um, you know, it looks like they're going to have at, at minimum a top five pick next year. Um, you certainly don't rock the boat and draft a, you know, a guy with that, your first round pick, you know, to come in there and, you know, have a immediate quarterback controversy. Uh, but I do think maybe you got to look at, um, you know, maybe you, you got to look at, I guess, you know, stabilizing that backup situation. You got Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen in there. I mean, we don't think neither of those guys are going to get it done for you, but I mean, it just, some of these things that you look at, some of these writers out here, and I'm not trying to call nobody out, but I mean, what? Call them out. Call them out. Who? who talking sudden, I mean, call this, call they, I, I just see some things that just, I mean, I, they just, I just find them to be laughable. I mean, you get this ESPN NFL Nation writer, Ben Baby. Well, I mean, what a hilarious name, you know, up front. <laughs> uh, but this, guy, you know, the moment somebody gets hurt, now you want to bring. No one, no one cared about the backup quarterback situation in Cincinnati until this happened. And now, uh, oh, well, now, you know what Cincinnati got to do? They got to fix their backup quarterback situation. Like, that's going to make the difference. Not the offensive line, not the running game, not the, you know, the, the defensive line. You know, they still ain't got that many players that are impressive on defense. You know, we got to get that backup quarterback uh, situation. We got to – we really got to solidify that. That's going to be the difference. You know, if, if you know what? If we really had a Ryan Fitzpatrick, we could overcome this season-ending knee injury to Joe Burrow. We'd be fine. I mean, please stop. Just, just stop. But in the end, in the end, in the big picture, football is a dangerous game. Every player is one hit away from going down. 
remember coming into remember coming into the draft. You know, the only reason Tua wasn't the top pick was because of injuries, and now just as luck would have it, Joe Burrow's the guy that went down, and Tua just got beat up and battered by the Denver Broncos last week. He got sacked six times. He managed to survive it, but he's the one with the injury questions. It's just it's just a case of bad luck for Cincinnati. I tell you, Cincinnati, uh, if you're listening. Uh, my man Blake Bortles is available, so if you want to fix your quarterback position to back up, give him a call. Um, now I'll say um, I, I brought I brought this up mostly because you know you read around a lot and you see a lot of people bring up that that very point. They say, uh, oh, you know, Cincinnati go out there and drafting this kid and getting him killed, throwing him in there when when they don't have the team ready. And I and I, and I agree with you guys though. I think it is a silly argument. I think if you have a top pick and you have a chance to go get your guy, you go get your guy. You're going to worry about the rest of the crap down the road. I mean, like y'all said, you know, if you're if you're picking number one overall, your team probably sucks. There's almost no cases of your team being really good and also getting the top pick. I mean, I know the, what was it, the Chiefs and the Colts have kind of sort of did it where they were bad one year and then strategically tanked, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but uh, I think we all knew that Cincinnati wasn't the case. They just, they had been kind of floundering for too many years and they, they fired uh, Marvin Lewis and they had a new regime change and things continued to kind of decline. They needed a new direction of quarterback. It's really, it really sucks, right? Because we had Herbert, Tua, and Burrow all playing great football. I mean, it was, it was awesome. We had three of our rookie quarterbacks were all just balling out. I mean, Tua had just gotten going. I know he had, you know, Denver kind of beat him up some, but I mean, for the most part, it was like, oh man, we got three guys really doing the thing like we thought. It was fun to watch. And now, of course, you know, we've lost, we lost Burrow for the season. And what's scary, you know, for Cincinnati is this injury sounds bad. I mean, this isn't just a normal torn ACL. I mean, we, we've had plenty of guys have that happen. They've bounced back, even somewhat athletic quarterbacks. You know, I think Sean Watson had one a year, you know, his rookie season. He bounced right back. He's clearly fine. Um, but uh, this sounds more serious than your average run-of-the-mill uh, knee injury and it, it honestly it has some vibes of the Carson Palmer injury and we know that he was never the same after that injury so I think for Cincinnati you are you were very worried right now it's very troublesome to hear what's happened to Burrow and, you know and you guys make the, the point about your line not being great and you're absolutely right Russell Wilson he's a great example uh, he's been top five in the league in sacks uh, time sacked for every year of the last five years he's been one in some years but if not one at least two three or four or five I mean it's it's every year it's and he's been he's been fine you know so you're right it's it is more of a crapshoot it's just one bad play I mean how many times we hear of dudes in practices tearing their knees up like in practice not even in contact just they just they just put their foot in the ground and it just didn't work right and you know so it's it's not something that I guess you can really pin on you know, being hit. But obviously, if your offensive line is terrible, then you're going to increase your odds a little bit. Uh, but Cincinnati's offensive line actually wasn't really terrible. They've been um, they've been about – they're still bottom third, but they're like the top of the bottom third. You know, they're coming up towards the middle of the pack uh, over the last few weeks. And some of that is Joe Burrow making better decisions, getting the ball out quicker. It is not just the offensive line. It's not a zero-sum game. Um, you're not going to be able to sit there and block forever type thing. Um, the only pushback I do have is I would be considering a quarter. The only, the only consideration for quarterback I would say is if you have the third pick, there are a lot of really good quarterbacks coming up. It's not a one or two quarterback show anymore. It's not just Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and that's it. I mean, you've got, you've got some projects like Trey Lance, you've got Zach Wilson, you've got Kyle Trask, you've got Mac Jones. And that's just to name a few of guys that, that have kind of snuck into that top round or potentially in the top round. It's, I, I don't think I would do it, but it's a consideration you would have to make as an organization. I guess the doctors are saying, hey, this is 
pretty bad. I mean, he may have he not be able to play for more than a year. Remember how long it took Teddy Bridgewater to recover from a similar injury? It took him a while. Now, he didn't have a starting job waiting for him. I guess we don't really know if he would have been a jump right back in starter, you know, as soon as he was healthy type thing. But if not in the first round, I think that you have to consider maybe by the third round or fourth round, you're talking about guys like Kellen Mond, Brock Purdy, you know, uh, Tanner Morgan, maybe. I mean, a guy that guys that definitely are going to be drafted, just not you know in the first day of the draft. I, I would consider strongly that or if not that spending an inordinate amount of money on in the free agency market, trying to go for one of the better free agent quarterbacks that are going to come out. You maybe your Camp Newton type guys uh, trying to really go above and beyond what you probably would have done, which is go out and sign just a backup, just a, a guy that we know is a backup. That's the other discussion. I don't know. Maybe you trade for somebody, you know, I don't know, a Gardner Minshew type guy, a guy that's, you know, just on the fringe, maybe, maybe you can make that kind of, I, I would be, I would be at least my point is, I guess I would be considering an inordinate, like commitment to the position, not full on, not maybe using my first round pick, but I would be considering some kind of commitment to that position beyond just this, just in case that it's going to take him a while to get back or there's going to be some long-term health issues. But let's hope not, you know, Tua just had a Bo Jackson type injury. He's already recovered. He's playing great football. Medical science has come so far. So let's hope that's the case. Let's hope we see him next year. He's a lot of fun to watch. All right, fellas, go ahead and get into some college football a little early. So before we check in on the action from Friday and look ahead to today's games, let's go ahead and check in on the college football playoff standings. The playoff committees released their first rankings of the season just a few weeks ahead of the conference championships. The usual suspects do round out the first four teams going in order of Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. Uh, Texas A&M and Florida are the first two out with Cincinnati knocking on the door at number seven uh, at eight and oh. So the notables are Oklahoma up at 11 despite two losses, Iowa State at 13, and BYU at 14. So, Jay, what did the committee get right and wrong with these rankings, and who all still kind of has a shot at this? Well, I think um, I think they got the top four. The top four is correct. I, I would like – I would I would probably put Ohio State up to two, but I, I think I'm – you know, I completely understand where the committee could be coming from. Um, Ohio State, uh, they just ain't played enough games yet. Um, you know, they're 4-0. You know, Justin Fields is a legitimate um, Heisman contender, you know, assuming that he could, you know, accumulate enough statistics that he could win it. Um, you know, I like what I'm seeing from their offense. They're doing well. Their defense doesn't appear um, to be as dominant, um, but they can still uh, get the job done for you. Um, but I think I think the top four is absolutely correct. Um, you know, you got Texas A&M and Florida at 5-6. and six. You know, I'm not going to – I'm not going to sneeze at that. I mean, those teams have shown have shown out this year, particularly Florida. I think Florida's been highly impressive this year. And then you take into consideration that their only loss is to Texas A&M, so it'd be hard. Um, although I might want to, it'd be hard for um, for you to make the argument that A&M doesn't deserve to be one spot ahead of Florida at this particular moment in time. Um, obviously, you know, I've been talking about Cincinnati for weeks now. I think Cincinnati. You know, right now it, it looks to be a little bit tough for them. You know, they're, they're at seven. That's probably where I guess they would have landed. Um, problem for them is they only have, you know, they got a, a game against Tulsa in a couple weeks, and then they'll have their championship game. So they, they're going to have – Tulsa right now I believe is 25th in these rankings. So um, they're going to have – they're going to have that opportunity and then their, uh, the, American, uh, the American championship. So those are going to be two, you know, relatively – good opportunities to, you know, strengthen their resume. Um, Northwestern, I think they're definitely surprising that they're um, right now leading the Big Ten West. Um, so, at the, you know, at this stage, it would appear that 
know, if Ohio State can play enough games that they, those two teams would meet in the Big Ten title game, that would be something to see. Um, I just these some of these two loss these, these two loss teams. I don't know some about Georgia to me. I don't, I'm not impressed with them. You know, I think I've about seen enough um, with the with the Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels or what, whatever whoever or whatever Kirby Smart's going to put under center for that team. Uh, and then Oklahoma, I don't know why we even bother with them. You know, they they the Big Twelve is already in my mind. They've played themselves out. I don't think they can get back in it. Uh, I think I think Miami at ten. I probably I would probably have Miami up above Georgia. Uh, I think Derek King has had a, a really fantastic season, and I think Miami right now is still in it. But probably probably outside of um, you know, anybody else um, below Miami is probably you probably go ahead and rule them out. Um, Indiana. You know, they've already lost to Ohio State. Um, so, you know, it, it would be highly unlikely that they could um, jump back and make the Big Ten title game, you know, at this stage. Um, so as far as teams that can still win it, obviously Alabama, you know, I think we can go ahead and pencil them in. Uh, they, they look like the best team in, in, in America. And I don't even know if it's particularly close right now. And their, their defense seemingly, it looks like they, they've started to get their act together, you know, a little bit more than we've seen in the past couple of years. Obviously, Mac Jones is playing lights out, you know, with Devontae Smith um, making big plays week after week. And, you know, you know how I feel about Najee Harris. I mean, this guy's absolutely outstanding. And, of course, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, you know, they control their own destiny based on, you know, not having lost a game yet. I do think the one thing interesting about Notre Dame, you know, if they let's just say they wind up in the ACC title game undefeated and they uh, have a rematch with Clemson. If Clemson blows them out the water – um, will that be enough to knock Notre Dame out? Because, yeah, Notre Dame was undefeated coming in and they beat Clemson. But I think that's just – it's going to be on the committee to look at to look at them and say, well, d does that win against Clemson? Does it even mean a whole lot? I mean, you needed a backup quarterback. You know, it took a, a backup freshman quarterback plus multiple overtimes for you, even, for you to even, you know, survive against them. And then, you know, Clemson at full strength just destroyed you. So I don't, I, I don't know – I don't know if Notre Dame can really afford to lose. You know, it could be another situation where they have to win. And, of course, Clemson. Clemson remains in the driver's seat. But, of course, they lose one more game, and they're going to be out. And then Ohio State, you know, make, make a great point about um, it, it, they, they just haven't done enough, even though, you know, I think your eyes would tell you they definitely belong. It's just are they going to have enough kind of meat on the bone uh, for you to say, yeah, yeah, they've done enough, and they, they look like they deserve it. They've only, they've only won – they've only played four games. And, we you know, we look across at what they've done. You know, Nebraska, Penn State, and Rutgers, I mean, let's get out of here. I mean, none of those teams are any good at all. Uh, I think the Indiana win um, means a lot. I think Indiana's a good football team. You know, and it, it looked like, you know, there were moments that, you know, there was about a quarter where Indiana went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them and then Ohio State seemingly they, – they dominated them before Indiana made a late rally. So I will say definitely Indiana, that's a real team over there. Um, so that that's definitely a, right now the one I guess feather in the cap of Ohio State, but then I think for uh, when you look at Florida and A and M, A um, and M to me I think they'd be out because they're not going to be able to jump in front of Alabama to make the SEC title game. You would think, uh, but Florida Florida definitely they control their own destiny because they can run the table, they can beat Alabama, and by virtue of that they could get in. Uh, I think Cincinnati Cincinnati will just have to wait and see. Um, we'll just have to wait and see how, you know, I, I think right now they, you know, they're going to need some help. You know, they're probably, they're going to need Florida to lose. 
I think if Clemson could lose another game, that would definitely help them. Um, the, for Cincinnati, what you're going to need, you know, just as I described, some of these one-loss teams who you would think would have an edge even with a loss, um, Cincinnati would be hoping that some of those teams take a second loss. And then I, I think Cincinnati would get an edge over them then. So maybe, maybe Miami as well. You, you, they'd probably like to see Miami take another loss. Uh, I think Northwestern right now, definitely in the driver's seat, you know, even though I think it's hard to envision um, them running the table and winning the Big Ten. But if they were to do so, I think they'd be in. Uh, I think that'd be incredibly, um, incredibly shocking, you know, just given um, the, the prestige or lack thereof that surrounds that program. But they're incredibly well coached. Uh, Pat, Fish, Pat Fitzgerald's done an incredible job for them. But right now, I would, I would look at, let's see, Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Florida, um, Northwestern. I think those are the teams right now that are in control of their own destiny. I think any other team you want to look at probably going to need some help. So I think uh, to start off with the positive, I, I like the top six. I think the top six make a, a lot of sense as of right now. Um, with this being the first poll, I, I had no problem with the top six. Um, if you want to, like Jay said, if you wanted to interchange, you know, Notre Dame and, and Ohio State and Clemson, you know, whatever, um, you know, to each his own. But at the at the bare minimum, if you actually look at it, Notre Dame has the second best win out of those top five teams or top four teams. You have Bama. We know what they've been doing. Notre Dame, they did, they beat Clemson. Whether it was backup quarterback, defense left it in the locker room, whatever excuse you want to use, Notre Dame beat Clemson. So Notre Dame do have the second best win in, in that top four. Then you got Clemson. We know overall as a team talent, we know what they bring to the table. And then Ohio State, once again, bigger sample size. We might feel totally different about Ohio State coming the coming weeks, even though they did get their game. Okay, I ain't going to get into that. We're getting into that on the next segment. But, you know, we know what Ohio State brings to the table. Texas a and Florida, that will work itself out. So I, I think the top six is about where you need it to be at this point. Um, the big controversy is going to be between 7 and 15. And what I mean by that, we're talking about Cincinnati, um, Northwestern, Georgia, and Miami. Here's the deal. For, for the people, I understand that Georgia is ranked high. I do. But let me play devil advocate a little bit. I think the reason Georgia is where they're at, because as a committee, when you look at these teams, and I'm, I'm just going to go from 10 to 15. When you look at the teams from 10 to 15, you cannot definitively say that those teams are better than Georgia. Like, even with what we've seen Georgia do as of late, you, you're going to say Miami is definitely better than them. Oklahoma is definitely better than them. Indiana is definitely better than it. It's just, I would say, I got it. Oregon, we just seen what Oregon had last. Like, you cannot say any of these teams are definitely better. But when you look on the front end of the rankings, you can say those teams are definitely better than Georgia. Honestly, I think Georgia is the baseline for the top 10. I really do when you actually look at it. Because I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, if you use Georgia as a baseline, it, it does make sense. These teams in front of Georgia, you get them a good chance to either beat Georgia, at least stay up with them, and then the teams behind them, you, you, you know what I'm saying, or pick them or whatever the case might be. We know the biggest gripe, um, to go to some of the things that the committee got wrong, the biggest gripe was BYU, but here's the deal. Like, 
I got it. BYU been out here. The eye test. Oh, they're smoking. They got an NFL first round quarterback. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Don't let that get too far ahead of you. I got it. Boom. What they got to do with the price of tea in China? Like, listen, you still not out here playing nobody. That's just all it is to it. Um, you're not a brand name that can go out here and beat up on cupcakes and get credit for it. I'm sorry to say, that's just what it is. You play in a conference when most people don't couldn't find it unless they Google it. So what 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 are you mad about? Here's the deal. This is what you need to do. Um, there BYU. It's a rumor going around. There's a certain team in the AAC conference. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to give it away. That got an opening. That's looking to make this game for you. Oh, by the way, it just so happened that team is a top 10 team. So if you can make that game and then you go and show us some against them, then maybe, you know, you'll get a little more respect. But I'm not I'm not totally mad with the commit. I, I understand, you know, people, oh, man, BYU got messed on. Did they really? Like, if I'm the commit, I'm, I'm looking, B, BYU is better than Miami? They're better than Oklahoma? They better than Indiana. They better than it's, I'm, it's. It's just very hard for me to say that BYU is better than any of those teams. When I watched, I watched Georgia had to play Florida and Alabama. I watched Miami had to play Clemson. I watched Oklahoma had to play Oklahoma State. And and I, you know, I watched Indiana had to play Ohio State. Who the hell did I watch BYU play? Like, who did they have to play? I'm I'm sorry. So when you give me that book, oh, they just. The artists say they look okay. Who you plays matter. Now I got it. You play the schedule that's given to you. Cool. I got that. But you still can't complain about where that schedule puts you. Because you got to play people for us to get in order to get respect, you you got to earn it. And they haven't earned it yet. This is what it is. Um, so you know, I know that was a big, you know, area of uh controversy. But it is what it is. And, and then another thing I want to say about that is this. Like, a lot of these teams in the top ten have a mark. Like I said, they have a marquee win. If you actually look at it, a lot of them do, not all of them. But a lot of them have a marquee win. So until you can give me a marquee win for BYU, I'm not trying to hear it. I'm just not trying to hear it. Um, another, um, I think another barometer that was put – once we've seen this this ranking get rolled out, uh, that a loss is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not. And I, I, I like more the more and more we go with these rankings, the more we the more we get comfortable with the college football playoff committee and what they do. I like it that a loss does not automatically put you out of the picture. How you lose can put you out of the picture, but losing don't automatically put you out of the picture. Right? Georgia is a prime example. They're not going to make the college football playoffs. I'm not saying that. But the committee still look at them as a top 10 team, even though they lost to Alabama and Florida. And it wasn't even – both losses were pretty ugly. But it's just the fact of, listen, your schedule is not the same as our schedule or the same as our state schedule. And we're going to give you credit for that. We tired we of this, hey, if you go undefeated, you're fine. No, 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 no. It matters who you play. It matters. It and I like that the committee has come out and said, "Listen, I don't care if this team is four and zero. I don't care if this team is six and two. This six and two team that plays some killers, and these killers, you're gonna get credit for playing these killers. 
That's just what it is. While you over there playing, you know, the cupcake central, the seven-year-old birthday party, they are here playing, they are here in World War II. It's not the same. It's just not the same. So I, I commend the committee for that. I hope we keep that rolling. And listen, I'm looking at the rest of this ranking. Hey, Pac-12, you're dead. You're dead, Pac-12. You're dead. If the rankings didn't tell you that already, and then after what happened, you're dead. Don't just give it up, Pac-12. You know what? It's time to go back, revisit um, that conversation you was having before the season. You might want to, you know, you're dead. The only team that can say anything is um, USC. And who are they going to beat at this point to get them credit? Oregon? Maybe? I don't, I don't know. Now, tell me who they're going to beat that's going to get them credit. Like, right now, BYU might be more credible than USC. I'm just being real with you. It is what it is. Yeah, Pac-12 is not going to have enough games, I don't think. Right? And so if you lose one of them not enough games, <laughs> you like, yeah, what, what yeah. we t- So the Pac-12 probably dead. Um, uh, I'll say the rest of it for the next segment. But listen, overall, I, I didn't see a lot of bad in this ranking. I, I played devil advocate as the rankings were done. And when I look at it, it makes a lot of sense to me. I understand why people had a gripe. It's your First Amendment right. Have your opinion. Say what you got to say. Keep it moving. But at the end of the day, I thought the committee did a very good job with this first ranking with everything considered with coronavirus and everything. I think when you start, just to jump back in real quick, I think when you talk about the scenarios like who gets in and maybe could one conference get two in, I think the Pac-12 and Big 12 to me, I think they're both out. I think the Big 10 likely gets one. Probably probably Ohio State at this point, but you know, never know. Maybe it's Northwestern. But I think regardless, they get one. The ACC mm-hmm. has a chance to get two. I think the way they get two is if Notre Dame, Clemson meet, and Notre Dame plays Clemson as tough as they can. They lose by you know a field goal or a touchdown. I think in that case, you could make a good argument for Notre Dame um, if they play Clemson very tough at full strength. Uh, but then Florida, if Florida runs the table and they beat Alabama, I think Alabama's going to still – they're still going to look good enough with their body of work and just the eye test tells you that they belong. I think that'd be the SEC, um, their hope of getting in. But Cincinnati to get in, obviously Cincinnati can't get in if, if they give a Power 5 conference two teams. So Cincinnati needs – they need to root for Notre Dame to go undefeated, and they need to – Alabama needs to go undefeated to knock Florida and Clemson out and that, that could possibly open up the path for Cincinnati. I think that's the way forward for them. That's a, that's a, that's a really good breakdown. Yeah, that, that's real simple and to the point of how this, this probably shakes out. You know, the one thing I will say, I, BYU, I, I do feel like they were a little too low. I, I would switch them with Oklahoma. I'm sorry. I, I'm done with Oklahoma. I, I have no interest in Oklahoma. What, what, okay, but why? Why would you switch them with Oklahoma? Because you lost to Kansas State who then got blown out 37 to nothing by the other team you lost to, which is Iowa State. I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I get that they've turned it around the last couple of weeks, and they got a nice one over Kansas, and then they – Oklahoma State, that was a good win. I mean, it was. So who, but BYU but who, who has, has been BYU, destroyed. Who has, BYU they has have been destroyed destroyed. everybody they played. They, they Listen, destroyed man. everybody they played. Listen, 55 to 3, 48 to 7, who, 45 to 14, who, 43 to 26. Na- name these – Give give me the team on BYU schedule they that's beat. as good as Iowa State or Kansas State. I mean, I don't even know I, what I, conference I they play in. 
I think that they have a couple. I mean, they beat 21. Uh, Boise State was 21. Oklahoma State was 14. That's You're telling me that's Oklahoma's signature win was a 14-ranked Oklahoma State. Boise State was 21st. Okay. They beat them 51-17. to 17. They have absolutely wasted everyone on their schedule. And that, my point is this. I, I get it. Okay, BYU is not a playoff team I, I, or a, a, a top-four playoff team. But to, to say you're 9-0 and and you're 14, but then you tell me Cincinnati is number six in the country, and, and they beat – some good teams, but I mean, honestly, like the, the level of competition can't be wildly off what BYU has played, you know, and to Cincinnati's credit, they've, they've taken care of their schedule as well for the most part. You know, they, they had a little bit of a scare against UCF, which that's a little concerning, but they got the win. My point is this, if you're going to tell me that this playoff is to get more teams involved and get more teams in the thing, and then you're going to put a team like BYU at 14, who is, who's done with their schedule the best they possibly can. I mean, they're not just squeaking by games they're, they are, they are wasting everybody they play for the most part. Um, so I, I just felt like 14 was a little too low. I'm sick of all these two loss teams or their brand names just sitting around, you know, getting all the respect and getting all the benefit of the doubt. If you had a gun to my head today and Oklahoma, Oklahoma and BYU played, I would take, I would take BYU. I would, they have better quarterback. They, they, to me, they put up a better resume. Nope. I, I, I ain't would. doing it. You know, I now, now the Georgia, it. Georgia's argument, I get a little more. If you put a gun to my head and you said Georgia or BYU, I would have a harder time. I, I might have to hold on and, and take Georgia if the guns to my head. <laughs> I but, might have to take a bullet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, but but I'm, I mean, I just – it sucks to say, like, oh, we got this playoff and we're, we're expanding all these teams, but then a BYU goes 9-0, which, by the way, they played nine games. Some of these teams have played four, and they, they get to be a top-four team. BYU's played nine games, which that should count for something, especially in a year like this. And they're going to probably play 10 or 11, and then it's, oh, yeah, well, 14 is all we got for you. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. To me, it's just a little – I get get where you're coming from. And, again, I brought up the two lost teams, most certainly. Mm -hmm. Georgia and Oklahoma, and I I get it definitely when you look at Georgia, they've lost to Florida and Alabama. So, we – and we obviously know, you know, the SEC going to get a little bit of respect there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, that's just a – I mean, that's just a reputation thing as well. And just the Big 12 as a whole, they're just down this year. I mean, they're just overall down. I mean, we, we, we sitting back not too long ago hoping, is it going to be Oklahoma State? Can we, can we rely on them? No, we can't. Um, but when you look at just what BYU has done, um, I, I think when you win that many games, and even though it's against teams that I, I don't even know some of them who they are, and I, I'm dead serious, like this recruit requested knowledge, what conference do they play in? Because that, because that matters when you're talking about, especially BYU and Cincinnati, Cincinnati plays in a legit conference. The, the American is a real football conference, almost to the point is like, I would put them up against the Pac-12, and I'd like to see uh, who's going to stay in the Power Five. The AAC mm-hmm. might, have, might be able to knock them out of there. BYU is so independent. Oh, they're independent? Okay. Well, but then you – I mean, I think drink, both, I think both of you are correct. But they should have did the same you, thing Notre Dame did. That's what they should have did. They should have you look at too. When you look at BYU's schedule – I mean, seriously, like, what'd you say, Boise State? I mean, that's true, but that's their that's the, that's their one top twenty five win at the time of play. But they destroyed them. I mean, they they ran them off the field. If you if I blind tested Cincinnati's schedule and BYU schedule and said point team A team B, I don't think you guys could reasonably you know point out oh that schedule's way better than the other one. Well, 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 Cody, you you should have blind tested us then, and I'm we would have been some believers. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I, did it, buddy. Cape it for BYU. I look at, 
Okay, so okay, so you just gave me one game for BYU. Cincinnati, we already said they're not an independent. They play in a real conference. They Army was ranked when they beat them. Southern Methodist was ranked when they beat them, and they crushed them. Um, we also Memphis. Memphis is usually somewhat good, and they beat them by thirty-nine. And then Central Florida is normally good. They beat them. And they still and they still have a game against Tulsa, and they still have their conference t- uh, championship game. So I mean, I don't. I don't get what's equal not, about this. I'm not arguing that they're, they're necessarily at or better. I'm just saying that their schedules aren't wildly apart. I mean, BYU's not out here beating up Division three schools. You know, it's just – I don't know. To me, 14 was a little – 14 was just I, I, I think I think I think 14 is a little low, but they – I mean, I, I think that Cincinnati schedule is is way more compelling than what you – I mean, you still have – you, you gave me Boise State. Who else did you give me? I mean, I just looked at – they just beat Northern Alabama last week, BYU. Yeah, the north part of Alabama. So you what think – so If you're playing a weak Coda, schedule, so you're crushing me, everybody. Where, so where do you everybody. think – Coda, so where do you think um, BYU should be ranked? I would put them at 11. I would literally flip Oklahoma and BYU. I would put them at 11. And I put so Oklahoma you would put BYU in front of Indiana? Yeah. Indiana's better, Indiana's better than wow. – Indiana's probably better, but Indiana's played five games. And, I mean, they, they lost – you know, they, they lost to Ohio State, which – They lost they, they is better than any win that BYU got. Their loss is better than any win that BYU got right now. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, no, 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 man, you're crushing everyone on your schedule. I, I feel like that – in the playoff era, that should mean something more than 14. If you want to – yeah, I, I ain't going to be mad. I, I think that's that, – there's nothing wrong with that if you want to move them up to I, 11. In the end, it doesn't matter because they're not getting yeah, in. So. I guess that, that does get hard because <laughs> – Fair enough. I mean, I would say that Indiana's Indiana has been impressive. So I don't know. Maybe my qualm is just with Oklahoma versus BYU, but <laughs> case here nor there, we do have to move on at some point. So um, um, I'm just saying, they, the BYU deserves a little more love than they got. Um, sick of all these two lost teams flopping around up here, and you know, my, 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 uh, I ain't mad at you on that. Brigham Youngs, whatever their mascot is, you know, they're, they're down there at 14. Uh, the rest of the, the rest of the, 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 I agree. The rest of the top six was great. No, no issues here. Florida's got their path in. A&M probably doesn't have a path in at this point. Um, I think if, if A&M would have lost Alabama by like a field goal, they probably have a lot more of a case, but getting destroyed in that game, like it's, that's rough to, to overcome, but it is telling that the committee still thinks they're the fifth best team. I mean, that that's, that's saying something. Um, those those kind of clues do matter when you're looking at these rankings. Um, I don't think Northwestern is going to give Ohio State much fit. But we'll see. And yeah, since they've got their path in, like you kind of broke it down at the end there, Jay, and the rest of these teams go through. I just I'll, I'll just say again, Notre Dame again uh, yesterday, not impressive, but we'll get to that in the next segment. Oh yeah, yeah. In the next segment, I got I got some that yeah. Ian Book hype train. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, stand by, stand by. All right, guys, we're going to close it out with a check-in on college football. The Thanksgiving extended weekend saw some action on Friday. Number 15, Oregon, fell to their in-state rivals, ending their playoff hopes as well as the hopes for the conference. Number two, Notre Dame, and number 13, Iowa State, survived their top 25 matchups. Unfortunately, several games are off the slate today, as Ohio State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Wisconsin all have games canceled due to COVID-19. The action that is being played today is headlined by the Iron Bowl at 3.30, where number one, Alabama, hopes to put away Auburn and pass their last big test before the SEC title. Most of the top 15, 15 teams are also in action. So, Drink, I know you got some thoughts on the Iron Bowl, so let's hear them. Anything else you're watching for this weekend? Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, know your boy watching that Iron Bowl, but here's the deal. Let me let me go ahead and just break off my two cents on the action last night. 
And when I talk about the action last night, I'm talking about the Civil War. I'm talking about Oregon versus Oregon State. Here's the deal. Let's just call that the death sentence, the death penalty, because that's what just happened to the Pac-12 conference last night when Oregon couldn't get the job done and Oregon State went in there with this supreme running back that I never heard over there in my life. And he just ran all over that, that highly taunted it. Um, Oregon defense, that highly recruited Oregon defense. Um, I seen a stat that was very interesting. So um, I seen a stat this morning that compares composite four and five stars for each team when they play each other, and then the overall ranking of that recruiting class. And Oregon, they have 45 four stars or five stars on their team. You want to guess how many Oregon State had? Not that many. Yeah, you know, a whopping three of Ruski. That's what they had, three. So three to 45, you got Oregon State. I think their class ranking was, like, supremely out of the top 25. But you had Oregon. Their class ranking was, like, six. So it was a mis- it was a mismatch as far as talent went. But, you know, this is why we play the game, folks. So that happened last night. So if you're a Pac-12 fan, you could go ahead and pack it up and put your season in rice because it's over, baby. Don't worry about it. You just give you some good old pads clacking because you ain't getting no farther than that. Pac-12 championship is probably your ceiling for that. But let's get into this action today. You know what it is. I'll let your boy, you know, gravy, gravy, and all that, baby. Um, the iron mode going down. Um, unfortunately, the, the GOAT. The GOAT saving. Um, he won't be another, you know, head coach of the team. First game he didn't miss in his luxurious career. Um, you know, it's, it's a different time. It's just a different time. Um, so due to the coronavirus rules, he cannot contact the staff. He cannot contact players. He can't do anything. He just, he got to watch it like me and you, even though he said that he, you know, he's not going to watch it through the, C, the CBS broadcast. He got some other broadcast, whatever. Um, but he's going to watch it like me and you. So that gives old Steve Sarkeesian, the former Washington, the former USC head coach, a chance to come up and show he still got the goods as a head coach. And from everything I'm hearing, he's he's getting the job done. He's definitely getting the job done offensively. But he seemed to be handling the day-to-day better than when he was, you know, controlling the helms over on the West Coast. Um, so that seems to be not as big of a factor this time around that um, – Nick Saban not going to be there coaching the boys. I, I don't think the line moved all that much, unlike the first time the line moved like five points. Um, so I, I expect this game to go uh, status quo. I mean, just to, to give a score, I think the score is going to be 52 to 21. Um, because, listen, Auburn got a defensive line, but that's about it. Uh, and you're going to need a little more of that to slow down the Alabama uh, offense. But on the, on the flip side, I would give them 21 points simply because Gus Malzahn has proven this year after year after year, even on his worst teams, he know how to scheme up some crazy, you know, convoluted play that's layered that always get Alabama out of mix. We've seen the last year where we just couldn't stop him for whatever reason, um, and the plays were just, like, out, out of his world. So I give Gus Malzahn that credit. He, he is a supreme uh, play creator. So he, he does learn how to get advantages that way. So overall, you know what it is. Roll Tide, holler at your boy, uh, 3.30 CBS. You know what it is. Uh, cue the music. Now, the rest of the slate. 
the rest of the slate. As I look at the rest of this slate, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in Maryland and Indiana. Let's see, do Indiana bounce back from that, that tough loss that they had to Ohio State? And, and listen, Maryland was a team that we was very um, interested in seeing against Ohio State last week. That game got canceled. Let's see what Maryland does. I, I for one, you know, I'm just not the biggest fan of Mike Locksley because he runs out of gas every season. Um, he starts off with this, you know, supremely, you know, talented firepower offense, and then by the end of the season, he forget how to get a first down. Um, so I, I am interested in seeing that game just to see. Oh, it's Indiana really for real? I, like I said, I do believe Indiana has like one of the best losses you could probably have in the nation at this point. I came away leaving that game very impressed with Indiana after they played Ohio State. So I, I want to see that. Um, and then if you, if folks don't know, Ohio State and um, Illinois got canceled. So that's another canceled game for Ohio State. Go figure. We won't see Cincinnati in action as well. And we won't see Oklahoma. So, it, you know, the slate started off, I thought, pretty well. As I go through this, it's a lot of you need both teams to show up for it to be, you know, a game for you to be interested. Um, you know, Clemson and Pittsburgh might be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Real quick, I know a lot of people have been floating the LSU upset over A&M thing. Probably, probably not. Probably not on that one. I've, I've heard people saying it. I've, I've, I've hearing, I'm hearing all these dark horse arguments. But, they better and not. LSU has been playing gonna get clown next week. You know, I, 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 <laughs> right, well, we got drinks answer on that one. That's good. To, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll write that down. Thank you. Thank you for your help. Uh, appreciate Yo, your help. LSU this. don't, they don't stop it. Yo, LSU out here. Yo, I'm so over LSU. This is, they. they from Ed Orgeron on down to the kicker. I am just over LSU. Like, listen, this team has been the worst perform performing defending champ you ever going to see up to this point. You wouldn't even believe this team won a national championship last year with the way they performed this year. Yo, this is – listen, your argument need to be if BYU played LSU this year who will win that game. Like, <laughs> That's the, that's the real argument right there. Like, I, I'll take BYU by 70. Because <laughs> LSU, oh no, nah, hey, I, I get what you, I get the interest you're trying to draw them up and, and what people are trying to draw them up, but no, nah, I'm not buying it, folks. Um, I'm not close to buying this one. LSU ain't got nothing for Texas a &M. Even on Texas a the worst day this year, LSU don't play, they don't play defense. They are a true freshman quarterback that's playing over his skis right now. It's just Ed Orgeron don't got a clue what to do because as good as good of a recruiter as he is and a motivator, that's all fine and dandy. But can you drop these X's and O's? And I'm sorry, I'm not seeing it this year. I'm just not seeing it. You cannot have as much talent as LSU have on that team and you out here fumbling around with 24 points against whoever they play in their life. Like, I'm out on the LSU bro. Um <clears throat> Georgia and South Carolina is usually a good game. In their last 10 games, that record is five and five. So that's a split. That's usually a good game. This year it would not be a good game, folks. I'm telling you right now. Much champ is somewhere on the boat, uh shrimping. Um, 
you got guys leaving the program left and right, you know, getting ready for the draft, whatever, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then you got Georgia coming in. They're going to come in riding high off the JT Daniels, you know, spark, as we know. And um, let, let's see if JT Daniels for real. Let's see if he for real. It, it's kind of hard to tell because South Carolina is in the same boat kind of as Mississippi State. It's not a full team. You won't have a full scholarship team. You won't have this team at their, their max capacity. But it's still an SEC team. Let's see if Georgia for real. And another thing I want to say about uh, yesterday's slate that I forgot. Any, um, sorry, Notre Dame. Hey, the, the end book hype train has left the station. It ain't coming back. I'm tired of hearing people, oh, man, end book, top-notch, elite passer, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I don't see it. I'm, I'm sorry. I might be wrong. I might be a hater. Call it what you want. I'm not seeing it. I was watching them last night. I did not see where Ian Book is so elite and just take it. He cannot take your team to the next level. He, he damn sure ain't taking Notre Dame to the next level. I was watching it. I, I didn't see it. I'm sorry. I didn't see it. It, it. And it wasn't like North Carolina was some world beaters either. So, for what it's worth, I do like Notre Dame defense, though. I, I think the defense is pretty nice. I like their defense. But I'm, 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 I don't want to hear anything else about Ian Book. I don't want to hear how you take the team to the next level. That ain't it. That ain't it. Ian Book is getting – his reputation is getting inflated like Oklahoma's reputation. I ain't it. Not trying to hear it. So, for what it's worth, I'm, I'm off the um, Ian Book hype train. But with all that said, man – Look, the slate kind of taking some punches with these late postponements and these late cancellations. Um, but hey, you still got the Iron Bowl, baby. Roll Tide. Yeah, again, I'll, I'll start where uh, Drink left off with Notre Dame, North Carolina. The, the Saturday slate is, is is so bare that I think it's necessary to look at some of the things that happened on Friday. And uh, Notre Dame and um, North Carolina would be, you know, probably the the most headlining game that took place. And just to um, – and I, I agree with Drink about Ian Book. I'm, I'm not sold on Ian Book. And I'm not saying I believe in Notre Dame, you know, in terms of uh, winning the national title or even, you know, winning a uh, semifinal game. But I will say, I mean, this, is a, this was an impressive victory um, because North Carolina coming in in their last four games um, had dropped at minimum uh, 41 points. Um, you had them at 48 against NC State, 41 against Virginia, and then back-to-back – 56 and 59 point performances against Duke and Wake Forest. Um, so they're a team that they light up the scoreboard and it appeared that th that was going to continue to be the case against Notre Dame when um, the, the, this, the score was tied at the end of one at 14-14. And after that, Notre Dame shut him down. Uh, Sam Howell did little to nothing for the, the rest of the game and that vaunted running attack featuring uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter uh, didn't do a whole lot either. You know, only three points over the the uh, second, third, and fourth quarters. Um, so I think I think Notre Dame, if nothing else, um, uh, that was a kind of a good win to kind of hold serve and kind of justify uh, why the committee had them in the number two spot. So I don't think they can take a – I think that they'll continue to hold the number two spot um, heading into to next week. We'll see what that means, what that means in the big picture uh, when, when we assume that they'll um, have a rematch against Clemson. Um, but let, let, you know what? I – yeah, let's let's go to the Pac-12. Let's go to Oregon. Let's go to Oregon, shall we? Um, I, listen, in the interest of all wokeness, I do want to let you know that the game um, is no longer referred to as the Civil War. 
I think that's something we, you know, we got to get out in the open, um, um, you know, right now, you know, before, you know, we get canceled. I, yeah. But l let's say, um, I, I do also want to say this. I just, I was just looking for it. They haven't found, they haven't came with a new name. So considering that the, that, uh, you know, the Washington Redskins became the Washington football team, maybe the civil war can now be like the Oregon football game or something to that degree. You know, maybe we can do that. Uh, but obviously, you know, the, um, the battle of Oregon, the battle of Oregon. Yeah. But obviously, you know, I think it goes without saying that, um, you know, you can go ahead and get the Pac-12 out of, out of here in, in terms of anything of national significance. I don't even, this game is a perfect illustration of why the Pac-12 shouldn't even worry about coming back. Oh, you're going to start your season in November? Well, don't even worry about it. Don't even bother coming back. Um, play spring football or play, uh, play flag football. Do something else. Don't even bother getting these kids hurt. I mean, it, it ain't worth it. I will say the one thing about this game, um, other than Oregon losing, which that was a blast, um, this kid, Jamal, I don't know if people um, – if you got your scouts out on the West Coast, you probably should have went up there and seen this kid, Jamar Jefferson, run the football. Um, this guy, he was an absolute show. Um, what do you have? 226 yards. And you look at uh, what he's done so far this season. Uh, 120 yards, 133 yards, 196 yards, and 226 yards. So, I mean, he's having a fantastic season. Um, might, might, might crack 1,000 yards in, you know, that marathon six-game season that they're having. That would be an accomplishment. Uh, but I'm interested to see, um, you know, what the NFL scouts think of him. Uh, but, yeah, in, in the grand scheme of things, um, yeah, that the Pac-12, you know, it was fun while it lasted. Um, you're not going anywhere. Um, just go ahead and stay on the West Coast. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and Cincinnati will pick up the slack for you, we, we would seem. But then, you know, on to um, what we had, what we have going on today. I think, obviously, the Iron Bowl is a headlining game. You know, keep in mind that last season, which was really kind of Mac Jones, you know, really the first test for him. And, you know, he threw a couple pick sixes. And um, that ended up being the difference. I think if Mac Jones protects the ball, then um, Alabama would have won that game. I think Alabama's defense um, has – it looks like they've improved since then. So I think I think they're going to be capable of giving Bo Nix some problems. Um, and just Alabama, I mean, they just look too explosive. So I don't know if it's as – I don't know if, how, if it's as lopsided as Drink thinks it, it will be, but I, I definitely think it's, it's a game Alabama should win by multiple scores um, because, I mean, I, I really haven't seen the um, – you, you talk about Ian Book hype trains. Remember the Bo Nix hype train? Well, I think that one crashed a, a, a while ago. Yeah. We, we can't find him. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, in the other action, I think when you look at the Big Ten, I think, you know, Indiana, Maryland, and even um, Northwestern Michigan State, you know, we talked about the depth of the Big Ten or the lack thereof. Uh, but these are kind of two of the teams that after Ohio State that have, you know, kind of been, you know, shoved forward into the spotlight. You know, can they um, – can Indiana get off uh, – get up off the mat – um, from the, you know, the tough loss against Ohio State? And can uh, Northwestern kind of sustain itself off, you know, what was a, you know, their best win of the season against Wisconsin? You know, that's something definitely need to pay attention to. And then I think, you know, I think Pittsburgh and Clemson, that's a sneaky game um, because, you know, is there going to be some sort of kind of rust factor um, that plays in for Trevor Lawrence? I mean, it seems like it's been about a month since he's actually been on the field you know, with the with the COVID test and then the you know the the postponement against Florida State. It has been. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, is, is is there a situation where maybe Pittsburgh can you know they can come out here and you know hit them with a one-two real quick, jump out to a a, a good lead uh, before Clemson has kind of you know got their feet underneath them, similar to what happened in the college football playoff last season when Ohio State you know got out to a sixteen nothing lead but couldn't uh, finish them off. 
Um, so I, th I think that's definitely a, a game worth paying attention to. Um, but other, other than that, it, uh, it's a, it's a schedule that's pretty, it's pretty thin. Um, it's, you know, I, do we have to, maybe we got to look at Kentucky and Florida, which uh, kicks off in a little under 45 minutes. Um, Kentucky, one of those teams that are pretty well coached. Mark Stoops normally has them uh, playing hard. Um, Scholarship you know, check. Seem Yo, like so we, <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you finna try, let me get this right, Jay. Now you're a man of high prestige. You finna try to sell the people of Kentucky after that scholarship check last week? You just tried to sell us Georgia and South Carolina. I can't sell Kentucky and Florida a little bit. I mean, I, I think hey, those, hey, those two. No, 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 no. I didn't sell you South Carolina. I sold you a stat. If, it, if anything, I'm selling you Georgia. But I did, I did say that, that team is uh, flailing with no, no head coach and this, that, and the third. But we seen the scholarship check last week with Kentucky. That's all I'm saying. Well, I, that's a little program, you know. Jay's, I mean, Chucky's been a lot grittier with Florida the last couple of years, but they are missing, I think, 18 players due to COVID this week. So, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, now, oh, uh, I, I got one more for you. Um, you know, he, uh, uh, Cody was, you know, raising cane about, um, you know, the BYU hype train. Let's Can go. I get some love for Coastal Carolina, you know, down there in the peanut butter and jelly con uh, conference? Uh, they be at three, uh, three Eastern time against uh, Texas State on ESPN subscription plus. I'll let me on that one. Oh, my. When your game sleep. is on the app, you know what time it is. Y'all, the chance of clears are 20. They deserve more love, too. I'm, I'm going to go. There he is. I'm going to get there to the top is. 10 of the playoff race. Let's go. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is a rough slate. Uh, I keep it pretty short. I, I know me and Jay were looking forward to Virginia and Florida State tonight. That's been postponed as well. Sure were. We were, we were going to pop our popcorn and just cry. The bums. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they're crying into a box of Kleenexes over what's what's become, <laughs> but uh, not going to happen now. Uh, you know, Tulsa got their game canceled against Houston. They were probably going to win that and go up a little bit higher in the rankings, which would have helped Cincinnati's case a little bit. So that's going to be canceled as well. Um, you know, Oklahoma, I don't get to see them play. Wisconsin, another game canceled. Just, I don't, I guess they're going to play two games this year. You know, it was funny. Every week we have one of these games that no one mentions, but it's, it is sad. It's because Penn State and Michigan are playing at noon. That should be a huge game. It's just, your eyes just gloss right over it. It's just like, oh, it doesn't matter. There's two wins between those teams. And we're both from Michigan. Penn State's 0-5. That's uh rough, rough, rough sledding in the pack or the uh, Big Ten this year, man. That's um, boy, I don't know what's happened with some of these these juggernauts. James, the... James Franklin, Jim Harbaugh, shame game. Oh, it's yeah. it's tragic. Uh, maybe Penn State will get a win, but the season's over. Yeah, last night, just I'll touch on it real quick. I I have not been a believer in Notre Dame in weeks, and I think they they showed me a little something last night, but I still just don't I don't get the vibe when I watch Notre Dame. They're the second best team in the country. I just something about them. Just there's something not right and. Maybe I'm full of it, but I've watched a couple of their games, and I've always been like, yeah, they're a solid team, but I've just – I've never felt like, oh, yeah, number two, yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, but uh, North Carolina, rough season for them. You know, lost a couple close ones, and, and they <laughs> dropped, dropped – Florida State and Virginia. State. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, North Carolina, going to do the thing. I'm like, yo, they lost to Florida State. Come on. Uh, but that team strikes me as one that they're going to be good for a while. I mean, as long as Sam Howell is there, I mean, they got some real talent. You know, they're talking about, they got the, they have the top ranked corner in the country and the 21 recruiting class is already, is already suited up for them. It looks like they're going to have some fun stuff. Um, 
you know, Florida, they, they should handle Kentucky today with those guys being out. Um, you know, and Florida is kind of doing this thing now where they got that barometer check versus Alabama. Alabama just boat raced Kentucky, you know, and I think Florida fans are going to want to see them do the same thing. And if it winds up being close, then Mark Stoops can do what Jay was talking about and get the what whoever happens to be in the building today, you know, able to play some football. Um, you know, that could be a little – because I, I think Florida had a little bit of a letdown against Vanderbilt last week as well. So, I think they're hoping to kind of – you know, really do have a good statement. And Kyle Trask can really pour it on with his Heisman performance, uh, Heisman uh, campaign, rather. Oh, and by the way, Kyle Pitts is back this week. So have fun with that, Kentucky. Um, but, yeah, rest of the games, you know, y'all, y'all pretty much covered them. Uh, I'll, I'll say Pittsburgh is a, is a sneaky pick as well. They That defensive front is disgusting. I don't know about the rest of that team. That, that defensive front, like those front seven are – they're gross. I mean, they have like – 50 sacks or something on the season. They blow out the rest of the country in sacks. And, you know, hey, if you got a golden boy quarterback, what's the one way to, to knock him down? It's to sack him. So maybe maybe Pittsburgh can do something. But, yeah, the rest of the slate there, uh, <clears throat> LSU upset coming in. Yeah, this is really good. <laughs> no, I would love to see it, though, trust me. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what LSU can do. Oh we'll gosh. see. All right, so I'm finished off a rapid reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Let's go drink. Let's roll, baby. Men's basketball is underway. Did anything stick out to you in the early going, Jay? Oh, uh, you mean other than uh, Virginia losing to San Francisco? Nope, 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 nothing else stood out. The NBA has released its preseason schedule, which will run from December 11th through December 19th. You find any of those games interesting? A few. I seen. Um, I see the the Clippers and Lakers gonna get it on during that time. Uh, I don't know who I will play in the preseason game, but I seen that. I seen it's it's possible on December 13th we might see the return of one uh, KD uh, back on the court. So that should be interesting. Um, the new look Atlanta Hawks. Anybody? 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 Um, that that no no maybe uh, that 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 could be a thing. Um, Houston Rockets, they'll still have Westbrook and Harden on their team, so, you know, whatever, whatever. So, I don't know, man. You know, you got some matchups, but with these guys being older or whatnot, you don't know exactly if you're going to see the star. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how they get down with that. Eagles right tackle Lane Johnson will undergo ankle surgery in the coming days, ending his 2020 season. Your reaction? Uh, Carson Wentz has been sacked 40 times so far this season. Uh, I can only, I can't imagine how far that number is going to go up, but probably going to see a lot more of those. The Texans have released veteran wide receiver Kenny Stills after he caught just 11 passes in 10 games this season. Uh, do you see a contender signing him? Oh uh, yeah, um, the Ravens could use him. Uh, that's um, and I had another team on the tip of my tongue. The, um, that could use them. Uh, Ravens for sure. Green Bay, why not? I mean, that, that collection of crew they got over there, why not? You could slap them in now. So those are the first two contenders that come to my mind. It is other contenders that can use them. I guess the question is, is Kenny Stills interested in playing and being on those contenders and doing what he got to do? Because that's, to me, that's like the only reason he's not doing anything with the Texans is, I don't know if his attitude and his mental state is, you know, trying to be a team player right now. But to answer your question, yeah, it's a couple of contenders out here that could definitely use his services if he's trying to be used. Um, former Houston Astros and Tampa Bay right-hander Charlie Morton has signed a one-year $15 million deal with the Atlanta Braves. Bigger win for the Braves bigger or, or bigger loss for the Rays? 
I think it's a big win for the Braves. I think it's a it's a blow to the uh, to the Tampa Bay Rays, um, but I think they have the uh, the pitching depth and the and the bullpen to kind of withstand it. Uh, whereas I think it's a it's a huge win for the Braves and maybe could be a, a move that uh, makes them perhaps the World Series favorite uh, for the uh, for the National League. Los Angeles Clippers have signed former Toronto Raptor Serge Ibaka. Uh, the Clippers needed a move like this, didn't they? They, did, they definitely did. Let's be real. Their offseason has been pretty lackluster. It's been – the table has been turned from last offseason when they was just making this move and that move and just lighting up free agency. Not quite this year. I think it's a good move. Listen, a veteran like Serge Ibaka, bring them up the bench, some size, some size. Um, a wonderful move, I, I thought. And the bigger part of this move is you kept the Lakers from getting them because the Lakers was going for them too. So uh, I think it's a good move. I'm not mad at it at all. The coronavirus pandemic has caused the cancellation of the new era pinstripe bowl. It's the eighth bowl, the eighth bowl game that's been canceled so far. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Uh, I want to say no deal, but it's probably a little deal. I mean, these are the football games that are getting uh, canceled, and you know, schools are probably losing out on all the money they get from going to them. But I, I, I do, I can't say it's a big deal because um, I, when I saw this headline, I thought it was the first bowl game to get to cancel, and then I pull up the, the actual <laughs> press release, and it says the eighth bowl game. This is a travesty. But as long as as long as the college football playoff don't get canceled, uh, I, I could care less. Tonight on the Triller pay-per-view at the Stable Center in Los Angeles, it's the legend and Hall of Famer Iron Mike Tyson coming out of retirement to fight former, um, the former pound-for-pound pound king and also Hall of Famer Roy Jones Jr. Drink, uh, what interests you, if anything, about this fight? Listen, uh, let's go ahead and roll out the Icy Hot Premium, uh, the wheelchairs, the handicap signs, the AARP memberships, um, this is gonna roll it out. The retirement, the pensions, you got it. Um, we, we we got two old timers, but listen, these two old timers are legends, so I can't take nothing away from them. Uh, and they heyday, these guys were the cream of the crop. Um, so it's worth watching just because of what they've done and who they are. Um, but it is some rules and stipulations that I must throw out right quick while we're on the subject. This is an exhibition bout. This bout is. Scheduled for eight rounds. We have no knockouts. This ball will have no judges. We have no win or loss record. So keep that in mind when you roll in here thinking you're going to see a slugfest and you notice it looks a little different. That's why this this ball will not go on either guy's record because it's an exhibition. So for $49.99, I expected a little more, but that's what we got. Iron Mike Tyson here, a drawing power. So those are some things to look out. But, you know, I think Armand Tyson wins however he wins ball. I think he's going to win it. And, um, but it, it should be somewhat entertaining, I guess. The Sacramento Kings have signed big man, Hassan Whiteside and Frank Kaminsky to a one-year one contract. How much of an impact do you see them having? Uh, Whiteside will probably, you know, put up some, I don't know, 15 points, eight rebounds, a couple blocks. You know, some of them uh... – them, them empty numbers, I like to call them. Uh, but I, I, I think it's pretty telling that it's this late in uh, – it seems to be this late in uh, NBA free agency, and this is the best the Kings can do. So probably can go ahead and pencil them in for last place in that Pacific division. Last one also tonight at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. is It's a heavy, uh, light heavyweight main event between Anthony Smith and Devin Clark. Who you got, Drink? Uh, I'm going to go with Anthony Smith. Hey, this was a late, uh, late change. 
Um, the, the original main event was uh, between Curtis Blaze and Derrick Lewis, uh, but Curtis Blaze tested positive for COVID yesterday, I think, or the day before, one or two days. So they had to, you know, the UFC had to scramble right quick and get them a, a main event replacement. This was it. Yes, this replacement will be for five rounds, even though they was contracted at three. Both guys agreed this will be a five-round main event. I'm going to take Anthony Smith just solely on the fact that I never even heard of this guy, Devin Clark. Um, so with that said, that's what it is, and that's my pick. I'll let you boy. All right. By close today's Drink of Wisdom, I'm Cody Ward. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinking, and remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we going to do. Roll Tide, baby. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby.